Hi there. This is Nicole Falcone, and you are listening to The Fifth Spot, my search for my fifth favorite director. This is episode three. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you listening to the first two episodes, getting some downloads, getting some listens. Really appreciate it. All right, let's get to it. First thing today, I want to talk about a recommendation that I have for you. What am I watching? I have been watching The Last Movie Stars on HBO Max, a six-part documentary about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Very in-depth look at their relationship, their careers, and just all of the intricacies of that. It is very thorough. It is a documentary done by Ethan Hawke. He had all of these transcripts from tapes that had been made, interviews with Newman and Woodward and all sorts of people, just a bunch of interviews. But the tapes were destroyed when Ethan Hawke discovered that there was transcripts, massive amounts of transcripts. He decided to try and bring that to life. And I'm halfway through three episodes in. He has a bunch of different actors and actresses doing the voices of the people in the interviews to bring the interviews to life as though we were listening to the tapes. George Clooney is doing Paul Newman. Laura Lenny is Joanne Woodward. There's a bunch of people, uh, Zoe Kazan, Sam Rockwell. He's a favorite of mine. And gosh, Mark Ruffalo, just a bu- uh, tons of people. It is really amazing, really intricate, and really fascinating. I recommend it highly. The Last Movie Stars on HBO Max. Check it out. Before we dive into this week's director, some pod business. Way back when, (laughs) in my first episode, I, I discussed my four favorite directors. I talked about Alfred Hitchcock. And as I, you might remember, I mentioned that I, it was just incredibly hard to come up with five, like the top five Hitchcock, and that I, I just know many people could tell me what I missed, where I screwed up, and all that. Nobody did, but I did. Before the episode even dropped, I was already regretting that I I did not include Rebecca. Rebecca, the 1940 film with Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. It's actually the only Hitchcock film to ever win Best Picture, though he did not win Director. He never won a Director Oscar. But the film is beautiful. It is adapted from the novel by Daphne Demure. She also did the short story, Don't Look Now. I highly recommend her. Oh, and she did the short story, The Birds, um, that The Birds is based off of, too. But anyway, Rebecca, one of my all-time favorites. I'm thinking that I should have swapped out Vertigo for Rebecca. I know. Vertigo's great, but I feel like my true top five would be Rear Window, Shadow of a Doubt, Psycho, Rebecca and Rope. I don't know. Hit me up. Tell me what you think. You can do that 
on Instagram at the fifth spot pod. You can email me the fifth spot at gmail.com. Yeah, let me know what you're thinking. I appreciate the feedback. Also, my website, cenefem.com. I have a new essay up. It's called A Pride Story in 15 Films. So if you want to check that out, I promise you my writing is better than my speaking. So you might want to just move along to the website and read my essays. But while you're there, check out the other stuff. Subscribe, share, comment, all of that. Okay, I'm really excited about this one. I love Albert Brooks. I have for a long time. He is truly a strong possibility for top five. So let's talk a little bit about Albert Brooks. He was born in 1947. He was born into a a Jewish show business family in uh, Beverly Hills, California. One of his brothers was the late comedian Bob Einstein, also known as Super Dave Osborne. He just recently passed away. So yes, Albert Brooks, his original name, his birth name was Albert Lawrence Einstein, but he changed it for obvious reasons. So he is now known as Albert Brooks. And I also see that his birthday was July 22nd. So happy belated birthday to you, Mr. Brooks. Okay. Albert Brooks, he started performing stand-up by the time he was 19. He had changed his name and he was on his way. He he did stand-up and he, he became a regular on, uh, on variety shows in the late 60s, early 70s. He appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He had a couple of comedy albums. He had an onstage persona that was a nervous comic, but uh, narcissistic, ironic, deconstructive kind of uh, comedy as performance art or criticism. A postmodern comedian, that kind of performance art, like I said, deconstructive, self-aware. So... In 1975, Albert Brooks directed six little short films for uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, It was the first season of Saturday Night Live. There was some talk about that because Lauren Michaels, while he loved Albert Brooks, once he started seeing these, he didn't really think that it had the same vibe as SNL. And that's probably true, but I would still recommend looking them up because they are quintessential Albert Brooks and so funny, dry, and just really wonderful kind of commentaries. In uh, 1976, he had his first film role, or at least mainstream film role, in Taxi Driver. He's the one who's friends with Sybil Shepherd, works with her campaigning, and he was allowed to improvise a lot of his dialogue, and it's fun to see him if you've not seen Taxi Driver in a long time, you go back and revisit it to to realize, oh yeah, Albert Brooks, it's fun. Before I talk about his directorial efforts, he is not only a brilliant writer, director, he's also just a really great actor. In 1983, he was in Twilight Zone, the movie, Mixed thoughts on this movie, yeah, definitely some controversy surrounding it, but 
it was a big one for me as a kid. I just loved it. And the opening scene is really my favorite part of the movie. I found it frightening and exhilarating and hilarious. And I still do. The opening of the film is Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd. Albert Brooks has picked up Dan Aykroyd, a hitchhiker. They're driving on the road. They're trying to amuse themselves. Uh, They decide to play this game, the music to theme songs. They kind of hum it, sing it, and then the other person has to guess it. But anyway, obviously, it's the Twilight Zone, so it, it evolves into something more frightening, but also really funny. I, I think this might have been the first time I ever saw Albert Brooks. I was, I was like five when this came out, and I saw it pretty young, and I always found it hilarious. So that might have been my introduction to him. It was a good introduction. I recommend it. Even if you don't watch the whole thing, just watch the opening. I'll just say this. Do you want to see something really scary? So then, let's see, in 1987... He did Broadcast News, which is the James L. Brooks film, No Relation. Wonderful movie with Holly Hunter and uh, the late, great William Hurt. It is such a good movie. But it this one would be my very favorite straight-up acting role of Albert Brooks. He's so funny. He and Holly Hunter play off each other beautifully. And he, he and William Hurt, every, all of them, the whole ensemble is really great. But those... Those three are just, they're just amazing and they're just killing it. But I love him in this. The whole scene where he's trying to anchor the news and the flop sweat, it's classic. I've always related to it being a, something of a sweaty person myself. I used to go to to the clubs when I was younger and I'd see those girls out there dancing without a spot of of sweat on them and I just never understood. I've always been drenched. So that scene in broadcast news where he's just suffering from the flop sweat, I can relate and I can relate to it right now in this closet in the summer in major heat. A lot of flop sweat happening. I feel, yeah, we're Brooks. This one is my favorite performance of his in a film that he did not write and direct. He got a supporting actor nomination for it at the Oscars and so well-deserved. If you're only going to watch one Albert Brooks movie, not counting the ones that he wrote and directed, broadcast news. That's where it's at. Um, in 2001, he did this film called uh, My First Mister with... Uh, Lily Sobieski, he gave a really, really uh, tender performance in it. My other favorite performances of his voice performance would be Finding Nemo in 2003. He plays Marlin, (laughs) the clownfish, who isn't very funny. He's wonderful. He's perfect. I love Finding Nemo anyway. It's, It's my favorite Pixar movie, and it's just a wonderful movie. And he and Ellen DeGeneres, of course, are so great in their voice acting and that, and that would definitely be one of my favorites of his. And then in 2011, he took a turn in Drive, which is a film that I absolutely adore. Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan, and 
God, it's just so slick and it's a throwback to like a Steve McQueen kind of thing. It has this incredible soundtrack. It's just a great movie all around. But Albert Brooks really stood out in it because he's just, he's uh, playing against type. He's just this frightening, heavy, he's not a good guy and he does it really well. And he got a lot of attention for that one. He got a lot of film critics awards he did not get an oscar nomination but he got a lot of attention and he's so great in it that same year he wrote a novel his first novel and only one thus far it was called 2030 the real story of what happens to america very satirical and if that's not enough he also has a delightful twitter presence oh so very albert brooks thank goodness so to the topic at hand directing albert brooks directed his first feature film in 1979 it was called real life it was a send-up of this uh pbs documentary at the time called an american family really uh, prognosticates uh reality tv basically uh, very much ahead of its time if you watch it now it'll seem familiar to you and not so far off, not not quite as distant a future as maybe you would have thought in 1979. His next three films are the ones that I really want to focus on because I think those are his strongest. They're my favorites. They're the ones that really say Albert Brooks to me. So his follow-up to, to real life would, would be 1981's Modern Romance, the beginning of this masterful trilogy, as I would call it. But uh, Modern Romance, it's uh, the story of a film editor in Hollywood. It's played by Albert Brooks and his girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend slash girlfriend again, Catherine Harold. The movie starts with them at dinner and he is basically saying how they don't work. They're never going to work. They need to break up. But it becomes clear pretty quickly that this is not a new thing that they've obviously been through this many times that his girlfriend has obviously been through this many times says he's just going to come back he says nope not this time obviously this is a cycle that they're in and then that plot point kind of catapults you into his evening following this in which he tries to date someone else he's working on a sci-fi movie with george kennedy it's a very funny subplot or maybe main plot that's the interesting thing about this which one the Hollywood storyline, the girlfriend storyline, what's the subplot? The idea is that Albert Brooks's character, he's he's just very narcissistic. He's very self-involved. It's all about him. As with so many of of the personas that Albert Brooks takes on, they are unlikable, but you can't help but like him. I think it's because he's obviously making a statement with these personas. And if you feel that you are in on the joke, which I do, then it's just a hell of a good time. <laughs> if you don't feel you're in on the joke, I guess I could see those, those people that shudder to think don't like Albert Brooks. But I feel like he's, uh, there's always the awareness that this is completely absurd and that he's winking at this and making a point. What Stephen Colbert went on to do, that kind of thing. 
anyway, this whole night in the film, yeah, it just goes back and forth between him trying to date and trying to get her back and trying to edit this movie and taking a bunch of quaaludes. That's a great scene. Oh, it's just really funny and really just the sort of snapshot of insanity that to me probably is really focusing on the Hollywood, the idea of Hollywood, because Albert Brooks is from Hollywood. Similar to the last episode, I talked about Sofia Coppola and how she grew up in Hollywood and how that affected her work. Same deal. Albert Brooks definitely gives the nod to Hollywood and L.A., but also probably affectionately gives it a hard time as well. So this is very much that. It's very funny, but it also is very cynical. (laughs) It's a strange combination of uh, hopefulness because of the fact that they keep coming back together, him and his girlfriend, but at the same time, it's very cynical because it's so obvious that it's a disaster. It's a mess. These two people shouldn't be together. They're just going through this endless cycle. This guy is completely narcissistic. And yeah, there's just not going to be a happy ending. And it's just the cynical thread that runs through it in dealing with Hollywood and love. It's different. Maybe not for everyone. But to me, it is just right. (laughs) So modern romance. His next movie was Lost in America. And it starred him and Julie Haggerty as a couple, basically a yuppie couple. He has a job in advertising. He gets passed over for a promotion and he decides that he's just going to quit. Like, to hell with this. Who needs it? He quits and then he convinces his wife to also quit her job. And that they're going to take their savings and put it into a... Winnebago and just go go live on the road in America and forget all this materialistic nonsense and it's all just empty and they want more. So she goes for it. They go, obviously, <laughs> it's just one thing after another. This is funny because I saw this movie a long time ago, but just recently, like within the past couple of years, my wife showed me the Lucy and Desi movie called The Long, Long Trailer. I had never seen it. I watched it for the first time and it was hilarious, but it is a similar sort of idea in that it's this couple in this trailer and just the, the hilarity that ensues. You know, it's terribly painful for them, but funny for the audience. Anyway, it's, it's a similar not necessarily the entire concept, but that concept of these two in this trailer and on the road. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was an influence on Albert Brooks at all. Maybe not, but it's definitely something that connects. It would make a, a decent double feature lost in America. So they're, they're driving around and they're doing this and it's not really going so well. And it totally backfires in Vegas. <laughs> you can imagine why. And everything just goes downhill. They lose all their money. She loses all their money. They had this whole thing plotted out too. That's the thing. Like they're going and like living on the road and going off the grid, but they have it like perfectly plotted. It's all very planned just as, as these people would do because they are not naturally nomads. They're a couple of yuppies. Though I'm not judging. I, me and my OCD would plan this to the hilt, but I also probably would 
completely lacking the follow through and screw it up as well, if not in Vegas, some other way. They basically wind up in this disaster where they wind up in this small little town and they're both, <laughs> they're both trying to find a job. That's so funny. It's like basically just pounding the pavement, trying to find any old job. This guy who was in advertising and made all this money and just really showing what the lowly people have to do and in just average old middle America. So basically they each finally get a job and they have a day of it and then decide, yeah, screw this. He's going to go and beg for his job back which he does. But basically to him, the whole point at the end is this is the only way to survive is through, through the system. Life on the road isn't all it's cracked up to be. Again, cynical, cynical look at working for the man as opposed to living free. But I, the idea is that living free isn't as easy and there's probably nothing free about it. Very funny, very astute his next movie defending your life in 1991 which is my very favorite albert brooks film it's the story of another yuppie albert brooks again it starts off right off with him buying a new car listening to barbara streisand cd really enjoying it really hilarious scene he winds up smashing into a bus and he dies it sounds horrible um but it's all this very light tone so the whole movie is what happens after you die basically there's not really like a heaven or a hell it's that you move on somehow you go to judgment city it's decided what happens to you after that it's uh ah i can't even do it justice but to our brooks his lawyer is uh rip torn it was just great so the idea is that you go there and you defend your life basically they take a look at a certain amount of days of your life it's as though everything has been recorded and they look he gets to look at these scenes from his life and it's like watching a movie and then basically they comment on it and it's just really judging the life that he's led and whether he deserves to move forward or not. It's not exactly clear what that is. Like I said, there's not really a heaven or a hell, but Rip Torn, wait, he talks about big brains, little brains, that once you've evolved past a certain point, you can use this huge percentage of your brain as opposed to like the three to 5% that we use. There's all sorts of conversations like this where Albert Brooks is getting stuff explained to him and he's just... <laughs> flabbergasted and it's just it's so funny while he's at judgment city he orders breakfast and it immediately comes to him like immediately comes to him exactly how he would want it it's delicious you can eat however much you want and not gain weight all this stuff but so while he's in judgment city and looking at the certain amount of days basically figuring out is he going to move forward or is he going to get sent back sent back to earth there's a great part of the conversation with rip torn where he says oh do you just keep trying or whatever if you keep having to go back if you don't get to go forward and rip torn says eventually they'll throw you away for albert brooks he's waiting to see if he's gonna move forward get sent back or get thrown away but he winds up meeting this woman at judgment city played by meryl streep and they just connect very easily there's this whole part 
with um, past lives, the past lives pavilion. He and Meryl Streep go there to see their past lives. And that's the other thing is her character is just this like amazing person who has just done great things and is very clearly going to move forward. But as they examine his life, it's basically just the idea that he was always frightened his whole life, that he operated in fear. He had, at, at one point, they show where he's talking about how he's practicing, how he's going to ask for a raise. And he goes through this whole thing, and then they show when he actually is asking for the raise, and he doesn't do any of that. They just say, we'll give you this. And he's like, deal. And that's what happens in real life. And then it just shows all these different things at time where he was going to do public speaking and he didn't, he was terrified of it and he wound up not doing it. Just all these times that he doesn't do what he's frightened of. The idea is getting past that somehow. And he's starting to have a life in death. Maybe it's not too late after you die. It's actually more hopeful. It doesn't really have the cynicism that his other films do but it's still it's like the perfect balance to me i think this is why it's my favorite film of his is that it has all of the kind of look at how absurd life is and look at how absurd it probably is after your life is over and maybe everything is ridiculous but not meaningless and that's interesting it's different for him so it's an interesting balance that he he uses there of of life being maybe too short and seemingly pointless, but also the hope of something better. It's this really beautiful combination of those things, of all the jokes about what it is to be human. Oh, yeah, because wherever the, the people who have died are from, they'll they'll be in a place that is supposed to take on where they lived. So L.A., again, he's an L.A. filmmaker. The character is from L.A., so there's it has a whole L.A. feel. There's a joke about strip mall and frozen yogurt and getting your nails done. Just all these really detailed observations that are the heart of Albert Brooks, and he's firing on all cylinders in this one. It's a really funny movie. It's a really thoughtful movie, and it's really sweet in a genuine way not in a gross saccharine way to think that it's Albert Brooks's masterpiece so defending your life would be my number one pick for if you're only going to watch one movie that he wrote and directed it would be defending your life he did do three more movies after that he did mother in 1996 which <laughs> had Debbie Reynolds and uh, it's pretty fun uh it's a pretty fun movie about a guy who goes back and lives with his mom again. And yeah, just the fact that she's Debbie Reynolds is pretty great. But so that was in 1996. And then in 99, he did The Muse with Sharon Stone and Andy McDowell. And then 2005, he did Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. And that was actually the last film that he wrote and directed. I don't know if he plans to do any more. I hope so. I would love to see a new Albert Brooks movie. But either way, he's his acting roles, his writing and directing, his comedy, his everything is really adds up to an awful lot. That's the thing is he's a jack of all trades. So director is just one part of it. But he is definitely an exceptional director and right up there for me. Check him out. I would say 
watch all of this stuff. But again, if you can't, if you don't feel like watching all of them, definitely do Modern Romance, Lost in America and Defending Your Life. But I really would recommend watching them all. Real life, his first film is, like I said, it's very prescient and yeah, just a real interesting, interesting bag. So that's going to wrap up this episode. I hear the sound of a dog breathing and scratching at the door. So my time must be up. The fifth spot is available mostly wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. You can check it out everywhere that you want for the most part. Rate, subscribe, review. All those things. And let me know who gets your vote so far. We've only talked about uh, Sofia Coppola and Albert Brooks, but those are both amazing filmmakers. So I'd like to hear what you think about that. And uh, yep, find me on Instagram, email me. And in two weeks, we will have our next episode and we will be looking at John Carpenter. Until then, talk at you later.